Welcome to Guided Way Ministries with Pastor Alan Rogers. In a fast-growing cold world, this message offers you the bread of life and an opportunity to drink from the fountain of living water. In this message, you will hear only the truth, and if you do not want to listen to it, turn it off. If you are hungry for revelation in the Word of God, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, if you are looking to be spiritually uplifted, be willing to listen, and listen with all your attention. For what you will hear in this message is not carnal, but spiritual. We hope you are blessed, edified, and fully rejuvenated in your spirit to continue with everyday life. us to all stand if we can to say a prayer before we start so that we could make sure we're all attentive to what our Jesus wants us to hear. So if we can bow our heads and repeat after me, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus, we are gathered here together to draw closer to you. We are gathered here together to draw closer to you. And have your presence felt. And have your presence felt. I ask you open our hearts. I ask you open our hearts. Our minds, eyes, and ears. Our minds, eyes, and ears. And if we have any distractions, and if we have any distractions, evil thoughts, evil thoughts, discouragement or hardened hearts, discouragement or hardened hearts, we command them to go back to where they came. We command them to go back to where they came. And you grant us peace. And you grant us peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the title to this message is Our Places to Pray And as I'm doing deliveries I meet a lot of people I see a lot of people And I see a lot of living situations And I usually For most of them Always leave hurting a little bit For that household or that person Because although I take them what they ordered Or I you know, fill their house with furniture I feel a little bit inside that I'm, I left the job unfinished. And for a while now, we've all heard about it on the news or even from our own jobs that there's a shortage of workers. Not so much work, but just workers. And that nobody really wants to work. And I say this because there are many businesses hiring desperate for help. And when I was in Bend one time, they, every business that had a billboard had a sign on it that said, you know, they were paying sign-on bonuses. And even for fast food restaurants, which I, which I thought was strange because usually you don't get that from there. But they were increasing wages even more so than the businesses that I consider well-established and career-minded. They were paying more than even them, but still they weren't able to get any work. And then there was a farmer in California who lost acres and acres of his crops because he couldn't find enough people, even at double the salary that he would usually pay, to harvest it. And I, I see and I think that that's how it's going in this world spiritually. With even some of the leaders in the churches when coronavirus first hit, they would buckle when they would receive any resistance or loss to their pockets. Even after Jesus has warned us that we'd be persecuted, the pastors, they just didn't want to deal with it. It was too much. They didn't get back into the Bible. They didn't keep praying. And then the people that were looking for someone to save them, that were looking for prayer, that were looking for help, they were thirsty and hungry. 
They were just abandoned and basically now they're scattered with no place to go. And Jesus came here to save us, to prevent us pretty much from damning ourselves when it came for, you know, judgment time. And in John 10.10, 10, you guys can turn with me there, please. It says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus, he says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And then over in John 4.34, Jesus talking to his disciples, says that his meat is to do the will of him that sent him and to finish his work. And in 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And abundantly, abundantly is being beyond measure, far surpassing what we can imagine, expect, and even provide for ourselves. But before Jesus was able to start and complete his purpose, his mission that he had came down for, he had to grow older and spiritually stronger. And as holy and chosen and blessed as he was right from the get-go, he still went through some of the things that we ordinary people go through as far as temptations and battles, struggles, our emotions. And I found it a little shocking, even though the devil knew who Jesus was, that he was the son of God, he still tried to tempt him. He still tried to lie to him. He still tried to get him off the path that Jesus knew what he was here for. Obviously, it didn't work that Jesus, you know, overcame temptation. And when his time was come, it's very well known that where he went, people followed. Where he was going, people met him. Even, you can say, even his haters. That Jesus, you know, just attracted the crowd, usually the people who were lost. And if you can turn with me over to Mark chapter 6, uh, verse 31. Once again, he's talking to his disciples. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And when the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. Even when Jesus tried to get away from them, people saw him. They still needed him. They, they refused to accept him leaving them in a way because they were still, they were still lost. And then, if we jump over to verse fifty-three of the same Mark chapter six, after Jesus went, and, you know, he fed them, and he went up to a mountain to pray. He came back. And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him, the people, and ran through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick, where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch if it were but the border of his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. As soon as he got back, they were right there again, needing Jesus. There were even times when Jesus would heal them, and he would say, don't say anything, for it's in the Bible it says he charged them not to say. But those people, even after they were healed and they left, they couldn't help it, but they just spread the word anyways. They told 
the people they were healed, they went, you know, anywhere they went, they just spread the word. Because that joy that they got, they couldn't get it before Jesus was there. And the healing, the peace, the forgiveness, the salvation, it wasn't available to them. Just like the lady with the issue of blood. It says for 12 years she tried doctors, she spent her money, and she believed the doctors when they told her, oh, the treatments will help you, or this medication will fix you. I'm assuming they gave her medication. But she believed it with every last penny she had, and she still was afraid. And refusing to just accept it and die, she took her belief to Jesus. And then, without medication, without, I don't want to say Jesus didn't know, but without him being aware, she was healed by just touching his clothes. And the doctors couldn't give her that. It's not so much that she, she didn't believe the doctors or believe the medication, and she did believe Jesus. It's just that, like the opening scripture, the power belongs to God. Amen. And the power wasn't in the medication, it wasn't with the doctors. It was in Jesus, so much as his clothes. And if we can turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all in the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted, and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest tree is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And Jesus was doing the will of his Father, but he also knew he had a limited time, and that as easy and able as him and God were to able to just snap their fingers and say, you know, let there be perfection in this world, let there be no more sadness, no more sickness, that wasn't God's plan. And he was moved with compassion. I don't know how it happened if he just looked over and saw all the people, or if, as he was healing, walking through, then another crowd came. But he saw them all. And not so much that they were just physically sick, but that they were lost, they were hungry for salvation, they were ailed and ready to accept them. And like he says in verse 38 again, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And I think there's two parts to that verse. The first part is praying, and the second part is action, which is represented by laborers. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. Men ought always to pray. And Jesus said his house would be called a house of prayer. And when Peter was in prison and about ready to be killed, we'll go to Acts chapter 12, go 1 through 5. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, attending after, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. The prayer was made without ceasing. When we pray on Wednesday, to me mentally, as I was just thinking one time, when we're singing the song before we start praying, I kind of mentally picture it in my mind that we're rallying up the troops, we're uh, sharpening our swords, 
getting a plan of attack, just waiting for the actual prayer to start, which in my mind is the horn to start the battle. And then when the horn goes off, like they did in the wars, it transitions from song to actual prayer. And then us spiritually, through our requests that we have to make known to God, we clash with them in a way depending on what we're praying for, the sicknesses we want healed of, the temptations we want deliverance from, and the strength we want given to us, even the answers we want made known to us. We start going to battle, and as our prayers go up into heaven, mixing with the incense, God's smelling them. To me, he, dis he dispatches angels out. He sends them to where we need them to be because we can't be there ourselves, and we can't do what we need done ourselves. And then he comes in the midst of us because we're, we need to be praying in one accord and without ceasing. So he's there with us, and then he sends his angels out to do, he, to take over where we kind of need to leave off after we just make our requests. And then when he goes, like we pray for someone in Merrill, we can't go to Merrill, really, but he sends his angel out there, or uh, someone out of the country or out of the city. Or with a disease that we have no idea even probably how to pronounce it. He sends someone to him. Verse 11 and 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a dam damsel came to hearken named Rhonda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. I don't know if they were still praying that same night when he was in prison, but they were praying and praying, and he, their prayers went up, and Jesus sent a laborer because they needed, they couldn't free him from prison, so Jesus, God took over from it, sent an angel, got him out of jail, and then he goes to the house to say that he's out of jail, and then the lady, who I'm sure was involved in the prayer, can't even believe it herself, yet it's something that she was praying for. So she goes in there very happy, tells him, hey, he's here. And then the people, they say, no, it can't be him. He's in jail. It must be his angel. So then Peter at the door still continuing to knock. And then they open and they saw it was him. And then, you know, they're speechless. Which is a little silly because we pray to God and then he answers us, and then sometimes, you know, the Bible says they were astonished. <laughs> yeah. You know, which is, you know, puzzling. Why would we almost unbelieve what we were believing in prayer to get? But it's just people, that's how they do. So when we pray, I think we need to pray more earnestly. We need to pray more because that's, I think that's what... You know, Jesus wants us to do more, more prayer. And we need to stay prayed up and read up, read being in the Bible, because the world is inevitably coming to a point to where there is going to be a harsh realization that there is no other way but through Jesus. And at first, a long time ago, I would want and think I want God to talk to me, you know, and I would wait, you know, mentally try to listen for a voice, and I don't know that anything was ever there. And then I would think, well, you know, I need to be more saved, or I need to pray more, and then God will talk to me. Well, he already is talking to us. It's in the Bible. It's just us who weren't listening. 
And then when we don't read the Bible, we get into a situation and we don't have the answer for it because we weren't paying attention to him. We chose not to listen. We paid no heed to it. Like an example is when I'm doing deliveries, the guy, my passenger, he'll call the people and, you know, we'll verify address, make sure we're going to the right place. But sometimes the people, they give extra instructions because we're going out to, let's say, Chilliquin or Sprague River or a place that's kind of out in the boonies. And they give him extra directions. And him, sometimes he'll look over at me and he's on the phone and he just goes like this. You know, like he's not paying attention to what they're saying. <laughs> and then I'll say, well, you know, what they say? And he says, oh, I don't know, I stopped listening to it. We have GPS. So then when we get there, GPS doesn't tell us that, you know, the second driveway is all mud, so don't go on that way. Mm-hmm. So then when we go up there, and I'm like, well, you know, this doesn't look like a street I should be driving on. He says, GPS says to go down there. And I say, well, you know, let me call them. So then I call them, and they say, oh, we talked to Nolan is his name, and we gave him directions. Is he not with you? And I said, no, he's right here. And they said, okay, well, we'll give you directions. So then they said, when you come off the road, you need to go into the first driveway because that one's gravel. And then I look at him and I'm like, come on, guy. It's because he chose not to take <laughs> heed to those instructions. GPS doesn't tell us certain things. We need to listen for it. And yep, that's what I got. <laughs> God is truly good to us. Very good. You know, it's important to pay attention and to take all the instructions that we can. Because sometimes we will ask God to talk to us. I've done the same thing. Lord, talk to me. Show me something. And he does. But just because it's not the way we wanted him to do it, we don't pay attention. Like, for instance, I'll be like, Lord, should I or shouldn't I? And somebody will come and tell me, Alan, I don't think this is a good idea. Well, I'm, I'm asking God. Well, that person just came and told you what God was trying to tell you, but because you put a name where a name shouldn't have been, you didn't listen. Oh, that came from Uriah or Mark or Laura or something. I'm waiting for God. No, that came from God just through that person. So that's why Jesus told his disciples, my sheep hear my voice. No matter who it's coming from, no matter who it's coming through, if we listen for Jesus' voice, we'll find it. We will be able to hear. This message was probably pointed directly at me, and I thank you, Jesus. Pray more and listen, and don't let, don't just listen for God to talk to you one way. Listen for him to talk to you through an animal if he has to. Whatever, just listen to what the Lord is saying. If it lines up with the Bible, it must be true. If it doesn't, then you can disannul it. But anyway, thank praise the Lord. I'm, I'm Today's a good day. <laughs> We're going to turn the service back over to Brother Adam. Would you receive him by the word of amen? Yes, amen. The word of God that you have heard and received with an open heart. To live it out actively with all of your being will yield you a bountiful return. Thank you for listening to this message as I hope it has been a blessing to you. Our goal is to show you the path of life and an opportunity of a lifetime. It is Christ's love and support that makes this opportunity possible. Please visit Guided Way Ministries online for more products, partnership, or to join. 
visit us on Anchor to become a listener supporter. May God bless you, may he keep you, may he shine his face always upon you, and may he forever keep you.